What's up, Daw Nation? My name's Wyatt Troy, and welcome to episode 34.5 of Behind the Daw, where we usually interview artists and music industry experts on an emotional, philosophical, and artistic level. But as you notice, this is a 0.5 episode. And on these episodes, we take the audio from our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite artists to dissect their songs in real time, and we put it in a podcast form, so you can partake of it and listen to it on the go, and get that perfect combination of emotional and technical knowledge. And the best part of all of this is that it's free forever, no matter what. Our only request is that if you enjoy this podcast and it's really helping you along your musical journey, go ahead and check out the Behind the Daw Patreon and consider supporting the channel for just $1 a month. If you have any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, or you just want to talk, you can contact me at Wyatt at BehindTheDaw.net. All right, Daw Nation, let's get into it. I want to welcome everyone to this week of In the Daw. We have FOMO. How you guys doing? Good, Good man. Stoked to be on. What does FOMO stand for? Uh, why don't you tell him, Daddy? <laughs> I think it's fear of making out, right? <laughs> fear of missing out. Fear of missing out. Yes, fear sir. of multipliers offspring or that. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't rehearsed there. Multiplier is in a new house now. How's the new house? It's good. Uh, minor water incident coming through the ceiling in the kitchen, but that's all resolved. So now it's a dry house. Daddy just put out a new song called Wanderer that we broke down on the last episode of In The Daw. If you guys haven't checked that out, you should go check that out. This episode of In The Daw is sponsored by Yuhi, who creates classically amazing plugins like Diva and Zebra. Now Yuhi was kind enough to send over their Ubic bundle. Well, now what is that? Well, let's go ahead and look at this. Bam, here they are. Absolutely amazing. We'll go through some of them so that you can see the absolute power that lies in this bundle. So as you know, for this episode of In The Daw, we are breaking down FOMO's remix of Ikali and Slumberjack's song, Helios. Now, just to remind us, this is what the remix sounds like. It's so amazing. We'll get into how they made that song here in a second. But what I want to do is I want to take their remix and I want to throw it through some of the plugins that come with the Ubic bundle. So the first one we got here is called the Runctifier. It's a digital filter Ubic. This thing is crazy, especially you'll notice when we get into the song right here, when it gets to the parts where there's a lot of sub, it really distorts it in a very beautiful way. Wow. Now, as many of you know, I love delays and I love pushing delays so that they evoke really unique tones. And this delay Mubic is no different. This thing is absolutely incredible. Check out what this can do. So arguably my favorite plugin that was in the bundle is this one right here. And AU5 talked about this in his In The Dot episode when we broke down Goo Lagoon. But this is the Ubic G. It's a grain and pitch something. I don't even know what it is, but this thing is insane. I'll show you what I mean. So this is part of their remix that is untouched by Ubic G. Now this is it when it's processed through Ubic G, and then I'm gonna go through different presets so you can check out all of them. Man. 
And there's so many more plugins, but the final one that we're gonna check out is this one right here, which is the Ubic T, which is Transmod Pan and Tremolo plugin. Now this is really cool, especially, so you go and you make a sound, and then you put this on here to really create really interesting rhythms, not only this volume automated, but it's pan automated as well. If you're interested in the Ubic bundle, or Yuhi in general, because it's just an amazing company, go ahead and check out the links below to their website. One of the things I hear people have the biggest difficulty with is almost like sequencing all the different noises and stuff. So looking at the sequencing of sounds there, how, how did you approach it? Did you duplicate and make a variation or treat each of those drop sections different? It starts out with just a lot of trial and error. For most of it, I put down like an eighth note pattern and ran it through like a glitch machine. Like it just makes random results for us. And then we pick the ones that sound good. Pretty simple pattern. I said, is that a glitch? You said glitch machine. When I was originally doing this, like a lot of uh, ideas weren't coming very well, so I I was just looking up like random audio mangling plugins, and we found uh, glitch machines, which they have like the the free plugin hysteresis. I don't know if you guys heard of that one. I ended up just buying like everything they had. Just stumbled upon a gold mine of ridiculous yeah. plugins. And then yeah, I would just run like an eighth note pattern through the whole thing, and then just like resample it. I'll just loop one section. So it just makes like the weirdest stuff ever. And then I was just like picking stuff out of that. Two favorite sounds, but one I just can't figure out how, how you made it. So it's in the drop section. This is a loop. So what we do when like we first start stuff is like we just, if we're doing like a remix or something, we'll just listen to the song like all the way through a couple of times and just like write down everything or like words that come to our head or like ways to describe the song. We just listen to it through a couple of times and we just write down like anything that comes to mind just so like we get our ideas out before we even start writing. So this is just everything that we thought of when we listened to it. So it's like not random what our samples end up being or like the sense that we get from Splice and stuff like that. So and then we'll just take these words and type them into Splice and use their just like really good search algorithm to just find sounds that we That's think would cool. fit. Yeah. It just helps so much when you get stuck in those just ruts. Yeah. And you just have like a list of stuff that you can try out instead of just being like completely lost. And it leaves like less up to randomness. You don't want to just like want to rely on just searching your random samples to find good samples. Like if you know what stuff that sounds like what you want it to sound like, then you'll get a good sound that way. What, what's an exponential rhythm? Okay, so this is something I learned from, is it Mr. Bill or Dr. Bill? It's Mr. Mr. Bill. I'll just, I'll spend like a couple hours just like sample searching from there. And then I'll just organize everything I do into like a little or a big folder in this case. And then this is everything. So let's, let me see. Do so you do a lot of preparation beforehand then? It's kind of how you guys work. That's, yeah, because it's really like, if you're like, gonna, like, if you're gonna spend like up to a hundred hours on a project, then you might as well spend a couple hours looking for samples or whatever. Laying out a, a game plan. Yeah, so I just learned this in like a random tutorial, but it's like you take the littlest bit of time and then what are we at? 64s. And then you just like, so it's exponential. So it like multiplies over time or whatever. So you just like do this a couple times and then you like double the time every time. And um, you just keep on doing it and makes cool stuff. We didn't even really like utilize it on this track, but it's just something I thought of originally. I don't, this sounds like not that good, but it's just like stuff like that. I don't know. <laughs> it's just really helpful for those like crazy trap rhythms that don't really make any sense. And it's kind of hard to put a, put it to paper, but 
it just gives you like a guide without using like a crazy sound. You use something super simple so you can get the rhythm down and then you can create the sound afterwards. Because if you try to do them both at the same time, it's just a jumbled mess. I think I typed in like ethnic to um, so take the take the manipulator off it, though, and show like, yeah, that's what it initially is. Oh, no, it's uh, this right here. Yeah, it's just like a weird drum loop. I originally got this idea. It was like, I just, I had like a weird, um, like Eastern snare or something that was coming right here. And then I ended up getting rid of it, but it just, it had like a little bit of tone to it. So it just inspired me to just like do a percussive type lead. So I just, I did that percussion search and got like a bunch of clicks and stuff like that. So it's originally just that. And then this looperator thing, I think adds some like vowel tone to it, putting it through like an O formant, I think. Just gives it a tiny bit more tonality. Yeah. Cut out the lows right here. And then the corpus is like what it really, majority of it is. Okay, so yes, I was messing around with the corpus. And if you make this decay time, so what corpus does, it just like bounces it off like a, a metal tone, I guess, is a good way of explaining it. So I took the decay down all the way because without it, I mean, that still sounds kind of cool, but um, a little, like, little, little drastic. So it just like tightens it up to have it right here. And then I tuned it to the key of the song and just had it go down whatever like randomly sounded good over the phrase and then so you're actually using the the corpus for the like pitching down yeah because without like, it the actual midi without it it's just like doesn't really have any tonality to it it's just like a click so and then we add that and then Haas effect which hopefully most people know by now because everyone goes over that <laughs> but yeah that's just like a stereo delay type of thing and let's see what's going on here a little bit more space stuff yeah, hyperdimension, a little bit of chorus, and then reverb, saturation, and stuff like that. Is that with pitch bend in the MIDI, just for those who may be less familiar? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, it is. It's doing both. Do you want to see the, like, wub sound? Yeah, I want to see the wub wub. Can I guess what it is? Is it a hardcore just sine wave sub that's sitting on the bottom, and then on top of it, there's a triangle wave? Kind of. That's close, yeah. At least we're in the right realm. Yes. Okay, so with this sound, yes. I was, like, trying to get some kind of FM thing, but it's, like, it was sounding too wild, so I was like, okay, what if I just added some tone to, like, a sine wave and put a sub under it? So this is... The original sound is just a sine wave with um yeah it's just like a sine wave and i think this is just a higher i don't i don't think this is really doing much oh or that's the majority of the sound i guess oh, or that's the whole sound <laughs> yeah yeah so that's just a sine wave with like a little wubbing to it with this and then there wasn't enough like beef to it with just a sine wave so i added an erosion to it which just adds it just adds noise to the sound overall and then from there i just had a sub fundamental under it which is right here but it still wasn't sounding like full enough so i took i just distorted the crap out of the sub added this layer to it to like make it fill out more and, and the day fades on that distorted layer to get the same yeah yeah i just like copied everything that yeah, the shaping of it. There's like a detuned guitar like lead sound somewhere in the drop that I really liked. And I was just wondering how you did that and where you came up with that. Maybe it's not a guitar, but it's like some synth tone that kind of gets detuned. That? Yeah, that thing. But I think you had it earlier too, and it was like playing some melody and it was like there were some parts that were detuned. I don't know if it was that. I listened to it beforehand and I, I heard it. 
So uh, you might be hearing that part from the original. Yeah, that's from the So it's like to make everything fit with like our drop. What I did was I just added this part. I just, just literally just cut that out at the end of the phrase right here to make everything like feel more cohesive. So my frustration when I was starting out producing, and I feel like a lot of producers is it's really hard to get a, you know, anything from a bootleg to sound good because it's fully mixed and mastered. It's got the full spectrum. So how do you go about like selecting parts, which you do use, which you, parts which you recreate how do you eq out you know certain parts that you don't want to use to replace with your own like how do you go about chopping the song up to where it sounds professional after enough to mix with your own sounds kind of if that makes sense so what we did right here is um i just left the downbeat so i keep like i first go through and like take out all the blips that i think will work to fit with our like elements so it's pretty much just the downbeats mostly and then like there's a turnaround right here. We just keep the downbeat and then I I put in like a wub that we had already made beforehand to kind of just like transition it over from like, hey, something else is happening now. Other than mm -hmm. other than that, we don't really like process things particularly to make it all fit. We kind of just make sure everything's like loud and in the right spot. And it just... Like, and we don't have the already mastered track going through any sort of post-processing it's just as it is because it's already a done track so you don't want to run that through a master channel as well layering kicks and samples on top of the of the finished part to like make it kind of your own like is there do you cut frequencies out or you just lay it on top or like how do you go about doing that yeah on, the, on this downbeat it's like his thing and then i added a horn a little white splash and then like some drums so you're keeping his kick though yeah, we keep his kick and then on, we the, add, on the one. Yeah, but we did add one. So what I did is I uh, I like frequent frequency split the original. So this there is there we just, go. That's what I was wondering. This yeah. So I, I made a chain that was that split it like the lows and the highs, and then the lows I just duck out everything to the kick. Oh, cool. So when our and you have a, and you have it automated like that. Yeah. Or so do you just, just have it? Okay. Just it's turn side it chain. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, it's just like we pretty much put the downbeats there and keep everything else the same. So in before the drop, is that pretty like close to the original? Yeah, this, this is, is basically the just the flip. It's all the original. We just we yeah. just did the drop. Oh, okay, cool. Depending on if we get stems or not, we'll like go in and do Replace samples, do stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. are you so are you with the kick that you use in the drop, is that is that kick uh kick you found yourself, made yourself, or did you like take that from another part of the song and then like morph it into a kick or like how'd you do? How'd you do that? Like the kick we use in our parts of the drop? Yeah. It's just a sample. Like a splice sample kind of deal? Yeah. Almost 100%. Cool. It's probably from splice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then for sidechain and stuff, we just do the little, little trigger trick. And then sidechain everything to that. What do you guys feel like is the craziest sound design thing that you did in the song? I guess my favorite sound is this one. That one's yeah, that, large. That one's that one's fat. So uh, <laughs> this is from another project we we had yes. already, right? Yeah. So a common thing we'll do is like we find like unreleased songs on YouTube and then we try to like take apart the sound design of unreleased songs. So you're we like ahead of the curve kind of. So what this was originally is I had a project that was like a um, boombox cartel boot or um, unreleased track. And then I was just like messing around with like their sound design so there's a lot going on here but yeah it's it's mostly just a wub with some crazy filtering the way i try to think about it is you get the tone down and then you get the movement down so with a lot of boom with the, the song that i was listening to there's i don't know what it's called yet so it's like kind of hard to explain but it was just like a wubby type sound so i just got the fm tone down 
yeah so i figured out that a lot of their sounds is like square based fm which is fm that comes from the modulator is an octave above the carrier however that works yeah so i was just messing around with crazy tones like that and then distorting it and putting it through just like comb filter here and like other filters and stuff like that i think i get the rhythm by just automating the lfo rate and it's just eighth triplet and then eighth again eighth again and then this what this is right here that kind of like drags you into it is i think duplicated just one of the wubs like four times double time and then stretched it made it like like stretched it into itself and then on the last one it's just a reverb throw into the snare to like complete the phrase so all together it's And this kind of stuff we kind of try to do with all of the sounds just so everything like leads into itself. Like I'll show you up here. Yeah, pretty much every sound has like a reverse going into like a reverse reverb effect or something like that. So it's... Yeah, just like everything leads into itself and like has a reverb throw out of it just so everything sounds together. It's like a cool way of using instead of just using like a white noise effect sweep to keep the momentum in areas where there's not like a big lead. You're using actual sound, so it's just more cohesive. How long did the whole process take? Uh, writing the track? Yeah, well, I suppose from, from having the idea through to finishing the final master. I'd say like 25 hours of work. So it, it started out like this. I think this is the right thing. It's, yeah, it started out with like this crazier like clock lead, and I just sent it over to Garrett and was like, I had like, there's like five different drops. So what we'll do is we'll write like there was at some point like six different drops right here. But I like consolidated it. I sent them. This was like, I thought this was the strongest idea just because it's like so like new sounding and crazy. But it was like, I sent it to him and he was like, it's kind of hard to follow like the main element. So that's how we got back to the simpler lead in the beginning. I want to say like somewhere around 25 hours. Yeah, it came together pretty. I got stuck for a little bit, but it, it came together pretty quick after that. So tell me about your sub bass. So how do you process your sub bass? How do you make it pop? How do you make it pop on that like higher register rather than just a low? We went pretty over the top with this one, but there's the the lead is so high in the in the frequency range that we wanted to make the bass just take up so much of the low and mid. So what we try to do is um pretty much make the sub take up the whole frequency range no matter what. So we do, sometimes divide it into like three different <laughs> categories. So it's like this will we'll have this on like every track or every song. So this will usually just be like the first three harmonics or something like that. Yeah, so we kind of just cut it off right there. And then after that, we'll just, we'll take this sub and bounce it to audio and then take whatever crazy distortion plugin like Trash 2 or mess around with Saturator and stuff like that. Decapitator, we use a yeah. few different ones. And I think I bounced this before with, it had like a lot of erosion and stuff like that. So yeah, we just distort it to crap and then like level it out with this OTT and cut out the lows so it doesn't conflict with the other one. And then together it's all that. And then you OTT gets even, the high end. Um, yeah, yeah. We OTT yeah. the high end on this. And like sometimes it'll even get deeper than that. Like we'll have the mids cut off like this and then we'll take fundamental and put an erosion on sign mode and then just bring it. Sounds kind of like redux. Let me see. Yeah, like bit crushed. I like a erosion so much than more than redux. A lot of times you can make it super crazy. And then when you take away the like the higher end of it, that crunch still stays there, but it's more like subdued, I guess you could say. So it still gives you like a mid-range crunch, even though you like completely obliterated the top end. It's like you add it and then take it away and then it leaves something really cool. To give an example of like what the erosion can do, like we try to go as far Just as possible. Just stack them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you could hear oh, how. And then so you, good. 
go like this. Yeah, right you got to be careful when you do this, but yeah. if you do it right, it sounds really cool. So this is like a neuro-y type sub-bass for the turnaround. Yeah, so it's just like what we try to do is separate, as you can see right here, we have like a, we'll have like a size like rack and then a tone rack. So tone is like everything from like phaser distortion and just anything that affects the tone of the track. And pretty much this isn't like, you'll see like 15 things right here, but it's not us just going like, oh, for sure, this is what we need to have right here. Like it's just a lot of trash. Yeah, it's just us messing around and figuring out what sounds good. So is that like a rack that you made that you use on a lot of stuff? Or is that one you made specifically for this song? This one's just for this sound right here. Yeah, we have we, we have a lot of go-to plugins, but we don't have like a, like I know Virtual Right has like the fat rack and stuff like that. We don't necessarily have anything like that. We just know like what our go-tos are and then we'll get this sound as big as we want it. And then we'll try to wor work on some, using some, interesting plugins to get something weird out of it i did i did make this based off the the virtual riot idea though which is a specific like, one. Oh, the base yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pull it up right here okay so this is how every sound starts pretty much so we have this bass template in serum which is like three octaves down sine wave and then um so it just like by default goes through the waveform of whatever this is on so we kind of just like listen for cool sounds right here and then FM to the A oscillator and then go from there with like filtering and crazy stuff like that. We pretty much have everything right here that could sound good. So then you can pick and choose. Yeah. It's just like everything that everything we know works. And then yeah, it's a lot through. And then just a bunch of OTTs and stuff like that. And then the gates make it so you don't hit, get all those like artifact things after you OTT stuff a, a bunch of times. And then from there we put on stuff with size so it's just a dimension expander ozone imager it's kind of like a one knob thing this compressed room reverb which sounds really good just and that's it that, yeah that's a preset in here that we kind of just tweaked a little and made it our own and then we just leave the the size off until the tone is good though so it like simplifies the process so i've been hearing a lot of what you've been doing morgan i haven't heard a lot of what you do so what's 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 your main focus garrett what's what's what do you do with all this um well we kind of go back and forth on a track to track basis morgan just moved to la recently so we're we're living i'm in san diego so we're in separate cities right now so a lot of it is a lot of work on our own and then he'll come down for the weekend we have a studio down here and we'll finish a lot of stuff so this one morgan did a lot of the a lot of the grunt work on this one and i helped with a lot of the mixing and like conceptual arrangement stuff but this a lot of the sounds and stuff this was all morgan just going at it so this one he just cranked out yeah, i just <laughs> i know you guys play a lot of live shows i've seen on your instagram so all the cool people you've opened for having had so much experience like djing and playing shows do you guys feel do you feel like you envision like songs that you're creating at, like playing them live does that have any play to like tempo or like anything like that when you're creating a song i'd say definitely yeah almost a hundred percent that so, yeah like if we're gonna play it live it's like we're thinking exactly how this is gonna affect a live setting we try to make weird stuff all the time but it's like the tempo doesn't really fit and it's like the club that we play at it's like in a more commercial type edm club it's omnia which is like a hakasan group club so you can't play like super weird stuff and still have people like it. So we'll like really think about how it would, how over. this would affect like a live setting. Not to so say that we'll, deters us from making weird stuff, but the stuff we, we would want to play in our sets is definitely influenced by where we're playing. So what advice would you have to people who are planning on playing live shows with the music? Like, is there any kind of like boxes that you feel like you need to check to make sure that you're going to have a song that's going to be decent live? I mean, I just say, listen to the, listen to the pros, man. If they, they're there for a reason. Like, listen to their sets if you're if you're talking about in terms of what fits into a set just like their sets obviously work and they're there for a reason so i'd say 
using those as a starter is a great way. Kicks and low end is very important. Um, quarter note rhythm is very important just because it's like how your head goes. Like when you dance to music, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Drums, drums are very important for stuff. And it also makes you realize how important every bar of a song is. Like if, if your turnarounds kind of loses the energy like that, you feel that from a crowd, even if just yeah. three seconds of your song, the energy's not there. You'll know right away that they didn't like it. Yeah. We're, we actually got pretty lucky with like our Omnia shows just because we could see exactly how people react to music and we know like how to keep the energy high the whole time. Do you find yourself almost writing lots of different genres? And if so, how do you balance that? Because it's again, something that lots of people ask me, like, should you make just one genre or one style or what if you fancy making lots of things? I think the coolest part about having two people is having double the amount of time to work on weird stuff. So we could be working on two different, two completely different songs at the same time. And then, you know, we'll go into the studio and spend one day working on something I came up with. And then one day something Morgan came up with, and it gives us a lot of freedom to kind of branch out. But I don't know. Do you have anything to add on that, Morgan? Yeah. Pretty much everything we make is high energy though. It's all like we do 128 stuff, like weird vocal lead type stuff. We make everything that falls under like festival music, but we're working on a, a res remix that's um, like 90 BPM or whatever. The mid-tempo train. It's sick. Yeah. What's the number one thing that you guys learned about Ableton that when you learned it, it was like, man, that thing. That is so dope. This is one of the reasons why I'm never leaving Ableton. Or at Collect least all and save. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Collect all and save. <laughs> that was the first thing we learned. We're like, wait, that's how you transfer projects? Like, Yeah, that was crazy. That was the first thing, but uh, the biggest realization, that is a hard one because I love Ableton for so many reasons. It's, I mean, we've, we've tried Logic, not really FL at all, but... What we did do though, like when we first started, we read the manual. So it's kind of like when we first started, we, we knew we wanted to do this for a long time. So it was like, we built the foundation really strong. So we kind of like learned everything as... From the ins and Like outs. we've learned everything to start. Like it's just like, we read the manual and like wrote down everything. So it's kind of like just knowing all about it that made it good, I guess. I've, I've got one if, that I learned recently, if that's helpful. Yeah. yeah. Again, it feels like something I should have known a while ago. I, I, I've known about automation lanes, obviously for yeah, six or seven years or so now, but I didn't realize you could right click a parameter and then do like create automation in new lane or something like that. So you can almost like skip the process of, of like adding the lane in manually. Uh, you can just kind of Right. Oh, yeah. 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 That's something we learned not, not too long ago. That's like something we've been using a lot since we switched uh, over to 10, but that definitely makes everything like when you have them all safe, separated in the lanes, like he's showing right now, it makes it so much easier than before. We didn't even know you can make separate lanes. So we'd be like flipping between plugins, like in the one channel to try to change the automation. And it's the most miserable way to do it. But ever since learning the new lane thing, yeah. That, that's oh, and this, which I think we learned from Multiplier is this, that trick right here where you could, where you can just do that. That was, that was huge in Ableton 9. Now that you can actually like just do it, it snaps to the grid, but that was a huge, <laughs> huge moment. Speaking of learning things from Multiplier though, we pretty much learned everything we know from you. So we've been, we've been watching your videos since yeah. day one. So it's an honor to be on here. I got a question. What was your favorite episode of In the Da, though? Ooh, I really liked the um, Trivecta one was dope. I'd have to remind myself. They're all good. Yeah, there's I so many. i to take notes on all of them. I said the AU5 one. I was just going to say that. Yeah, the Crystal Skies one was really dope. They're all awesome. I mean, I like Silver Skies, too. That one was good as well. I just watched the Fitch one last night. That was great. Um, you guys' effects racks are awesome. What's the best way to learn more about effects racks? What, what would you guys suggest? Just learn every effect individually from the ground up, like... We, I mean, we started by just throwing literally any preset of any plug, any effect on everything. And then you get a really, if you use a sound you're familiar with, just something super simple, you get a very clear idea of what everything does and how it affects it. 
it affects everything differently, obviously. But if you have a basic idea of what it's going to do um, and how they interact with each other, it's a good way to start for sure. You got to know what everything does to throw it on there. It's, but yeah, we did. We did read the manual and like take notes on every single thing in here. So that that helps a lot. Yeah, just messing around with the presets too. The built-in presets are solid. Uh, something I like about you guys is it seems like you put a lot of preparation in rather than just jumping in. You know, like I'm impressed that you like go through sample combing and then like reading the manual and going through and doing like this preparation. And I think that's super key to learning. I I feel like too often people just want to jump in and create music and it just ends up sounding bad for a long time because you're not really learning. You're just kind of jump, like I mean, experimenting goes a long way, but you really need to know your tools. Like, but yeah, that, that's really impressive. One day and try to play without learning scales and all that stuff. So you need to learn everything about it. Project files are really helpful for that too. For those who, you know, don't have the manual for whatever reason, if you got the cracked version, you can still uh, you can still access any information you want inside of um, Ableton. There's a there's a learn module. It's really really cool. The little sidebar, yeah. Yeah, it's a little sidebar. You can you can click on anything. It'll tell you what to do. It also has lessons inside of it. It's really really dope. Right there. So you got all the lessons right there. If you ever need help learning about whatever whatever anything does, it's super super cool. Also, there's a really cool channel. It's called Multiplier. He also has a really really like a lot of cool stuff on there. He's also got a, series a lot on of there. stuff. He's got a fountain of knowledge on his YouTube page. Dive into that. Final portion is, would you like our feedback on your song? Always. Absolutely. Yes. All roast right. us. All right. Brandon, <laughs> you're the best at roasting people. Do you want to roast them? <laughs> roast our track. Oh, no. Roast new segment. My main thing is I think it would be really cool to hear what you guys would do if you did have like the stems for this track so that you could mess with the intro and kind of yeah, would have been awesome. a lot of ideas i think that um it'd be it'd be interesting to hear some maybe like chord changes from like the original chord progression like you know some stuff like that mm-hmm. personally i think it's super sick though like i i would just be interested to hear like what would happen if you guys did switch up the beginning and the break a little from the original you know definitely so my feedback is good feedback almost like reinforcing the things i most liked about the track so it's actually the contrast in sounds so i think it was the sound that wyatt called the webs or something. Um, so I, I, I just I just thought it was a, such a, a different sound, like like tonally and frequency wise and everything. It, it just stood out and just just played played on the idea of contrast really well. And I thought it was a really really good idea. It's, it's really really good. You guys did fantastic. There was a, so many elements in there that just kept catching my attention. Like I said, I was driving in my minivan with two kids, drinking a smoothie. It's a completely inappropriate time to listen to this song, but it was just it was amazing. It kept it was just like wow, this, like I'm really excited that I like this song. There's one thing, however that I'm not sure if it's there or not. I'm not sure if this is some feedback that's actually real. I know it's kind of weird to hear, but but here's the thing. So at the beginning at the, of the first drop, everything's sounding good, but I think I hear the highs dip as the sub comes in. It, did that happen? That's possible. <laughs> it's not out yet, so we haven't fixed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I just kind of feel like- I guess not really, but I don't know, it could no. be. It's okay, kind of hard for me to hear just because it's so it's it so could just be taking end. away your attention from it as much because there's no sub in that first part, but uh, definitely something we can look at. I don't know if that if that really is there or not, or if I'm just like it's like a placebo effect, and I think I hear it. But if the placebo effect is real, wait, no, wait, no, wait. If, if it the, is actually if, like if it, isn't it, real it is real, and this yeah. is, it's what is actually happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's actually happening, it was it was like a little distracting because it kind of feels like it kind of sucks the energy out a little bit. And you know, as you know, you want to drop. No energy suck. No 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 sucking of energy. You know, we'll what take I mean? we'll take a look at that. 
Cool. And just like out of curiosity, why why would that happen? Is it because the sub is activating the limiter? If that is the what's sub going on, just probably mixed too a little too loud. I don't know. Yeah, if that's my only thought, it could be. So yeah, it, it, would, it, it would just be the sub. the sub takes up headroom, so then that effectively brings down the level. Yeah, uh, of the other things. It, it, it would only be the case if so if, if you imagine two sounds. Uh, the first one with no sub. And then the same sound with the sub. If the limiter is already maxed out before the sub comes in, then the limiter is going to have to do more limiting when the sub comes in, and that effectively turns it down more. Yeah, we'll that take a look sense. at that. Thanks for the uh, thanks cool. for pointing that out, Wyatt. Absolutely. If it's not there, I'm so sorry. But, um, but <laughs> no offense taken at all. We're here for uh, good feedback, and so good, good. But it. no, I, th I felt like it'd be important to bring it up, especially for producers watching this. You know, because that that is something that I hear uh, I hear a lot when people send me songs is that when the sub does come in, everything turns down and it's yeah yeah it's a limiter it's it's it's, it's a fix it's an easy fix you, you know you don't you don't have to have that so other than that dude no you guys did freaking amazing this is super catchy it's very like the only time i've ever felt like this with a song is like when i listen to quicks it's very quicks ish where it's just like there's like really interesting rhythms and yeah. there's like you know what i mean definitely a big inspiration of ours yeah it reminds me a lot of boombox cartel as well i think that it's not that vibe too right. those are our biggest inspiration yeah. so that's good good to hear i guess with the the um the limiter thing too i guess we could talk about how like we really don't master our tracks like we kind of do group mastering bass tracks at least like because we have so much stuff in like racks on particular sounds we really just mix everything perfectly and then just throw a limiter on it and sometimes we don't we don't even throw a limiter on it we just let the ableton soft clip like just soft clip it out and if it sounds good it is good so we just leave it like that it's freaking awesome guys is there anything else that you want to share about your song comes out friday take a listen when it drops keep on the lookout for plenty more just so everyone knows this episode is brought to you by the in the dom behind the Daw patreon fomo is a patron to in the Daw. how do you like it man love the little chat discord thing that we have it's cool that we could just all get in there and talk to each other that's that's awesome if you guys are interested in supporting in the Daw, go ahead and check that out i'll throw a link down in the description multiplier put a link in the youtube video but come in it starts at a dollar a month and you can help support the channel so that we can keep, keep bringing these videos to you and you get access to an entire community what the heck you know it's just freaking awesome thank you so much for listening to this episode of behind the Daw. we really hope you enjoyed it did you enjoy the questions that we asked or would you have liked to hear different ones if you're listening to this on itunes or any other podcast related app make sure to subscribe and leave a review and if you're listening to this on soundcloud make sure to like comment and follow and we'll see you next time on behind the Daw.